gosh, that was such a good teaching and so much to reflect on and so relevant to all of our lives. And, um, you know, I just have to say that, uh, and, and I, I realize that what my husband and I have been doing, and I'll tell you a little bit about this, is following Jesus. But it's really helped me to come, have a two-week break, and to try to think it through. <laughs> you know, it's just an overwhelming uh, situation, and God is so huge, and very often you don't see what it is when you're in it. You see it when you look back on it, and you, you take some time to reflect on it. And so I've had that opportunity for the last two weeks, and so I really appreciate being able to be here and talk with you guys because as I'm talking about it, it helps me to sort it out in my head you know, what, um, what this little bit of following Jesus, you know, Keith and I are a tiny, tiny speck in this ministry called Mercy Ships. And we feel so privileged to have been given this opportunity. Um, but, and, but the thing is, it's so big, it's hard to wrap your mind around. Um, and I just, I'll just tell one quick little story before I tell you about Mercy Ships, you know, and then tell you also what we've been doing. But it's, it's up and down for me all the time, and it's overwhelming. And we're in a place that you really can't even imagine unless you've been there. And in some ways, it's just fantastic. And so we, one time we were in this little fishing village. Um, we'd taken a little excursion, and we were in this little fishing village. And these fishing boats were picturesque, beautiful. They're wooden boats. They're really long, like maybe the length of two of these rows and they're narrow and maybe you get 20 fishermen in them and they were painted bright colors and they had beautiful bright sails and every boat had a scripture verse on it this was in Cameroon and in Cameroon 40 percent of the country is is Christian so I looked at these boats and stacked one next to the other they, they had come in with their fish so I got to see that too you know and, and you think wow this is fisher these are really fishermen that use the nets they're out there fixing their nets, and they've brought in their catch. But every boat, these beautiful painted boats, had scripture on them. And I, was, I said to Keith, wow, if we had an opportunity to stay in Africa for a year, why wouldn't we? You know, just the visual of what I just got to see. I'm not kidding you. Fifteen minutes later, I was saying, get me out of here. <laughs> That's how how up and down this whole thing is, so I'm trying to process it, you guys. <laughs> I, have no, I had no idea last night what I was really going to say. Um, so anyway, so back to the beginning. On April 1st, we left to go to Africa. The Thursday before that, I was in this room, and, and all you beautiful ladies that were here then prayed for us, prayed for me and my husband, prayed us out of here. And, you know, the power of prayer you just can't underestimate it. You don't know how, how powerful it is, but it is. It's so powerful. So anyway, that was our send-off. We loved it. And, um, and so we got to spend the first three months in a country uh, in West Africa called Cameroon. Wait a second, I have a map. So you can tell this is Africa, I know you can't see the, the words on it, but uh, Cameroon is right here in this Gulf area. I highlighted that in yellow. That was the first place we went. That's not where we are now, but I'll tell you a little bit more later. 
Um, so the way Mercy Ships works, it's the, um, it's the largest non-governmental floating hospital in the world. It's a Christian organization. It's a Christian hospital organization. It has as many, it has space on board for as many as 400 live-in crew members, live on board crew members, and I think we've probably got about 350 or something like that right now. I don't think we're at full capacity. And we represent on the ship 40 different nations. Um, these are, you know, the vast, vast majority Christians who want to serve in this way. And the ministry of Mercy Ships is to provide help and healing to the world's forgotten poor. And that is almost, so their ministry is mostly in West Africa. Um, that's where the poorest of the poor live. There's a, an index called the Human Development Index, and Cameroon is about third from the bottom um, as far as human development because of, these, because of poverty. And where we are now in Guinea is about fifth from the bottom. So th these really are the worst of the worst. I kind of jokingly say it makes Tijuana look like a resort town. You know, it's, it's really bad. Um, but anyway, so the, the way we found out about it is the, um, I saw something on the news, on Fox News, Dana Perino was doing a little segment on Mercy Ships. She had been there on the ship when it was in Benin, which is also here in West Africa. So she did a little thing on the news and I saw it. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And I went upstairs to look it up on the computer. And one of the things I saw besides you know, looking at the ministry and what they do, which was very impressive to me, was that um, they're celebrating this year right now their 40th anniversary. And Keith and I were celebrating our 40th anniversary. So I thought, oh. And so I called down to Keith, who was downstairs, and I said, hey, Keith, for our 40th anniversary, do you want to serve on a hospital ship in Africa? And he goes, okay. <laughs> and so people say to us, oh, had you always been interested in medical things? Had you always wanted to go serve on this ship or had you always wanted to go to Africa? I'm like, no, <laughs> none of that. But anyway, that's how it happened. And, um, but you know, when, we were, when I was looking online, I really, really felt impressed uh, by the ministry. And I, and I, I told a lot of you when, before we left, um, I just wanted to see it. I really just wanted to see it. And, you know, when, when Megan was reading the scripture about um, they will see it with their eyes, they will hear it with their ears, I wanted that. That's what I wanted, you know. And so I wanted to see God at work there. I just thought that would be so impactful. Um, and it was really about, you know, in the beginning, I would have to say it was more about me. It was what I wanted. I really, really wanted to see it. Um, so Keith uh, accepted a job as a carpenter, and he had just finished a course at Palomar College and had really refined his skills. He's been, you know, a woodworker all his life, and his dad was a woodworker, and so he's always loved it as a hobby, never did it as a job. But as a hobby, he had taken this course at Palomar College and really felt like he'd refined his skills, and that had just finished. So he signed up as a carpenter. And I've always loved food, so I signed up in the dining room. And uh, so that was how we were going to spend three months. You know, we were just going to serve and we were going to see it. And, and we did. And we got to see um, so many amazing things. We, oh, why don't you start the slide now, Daphne? I have five, six pictures. So this is a picture of the ship. 
And I don't know what crew that is, but at some point they took a picture of the crew. So that's, I think that's the hospital crew. They're all in their blue scrubs. So that's a picture of the ship. It's really big. There's seven, eight decks. Uh, there's seven operating rooms. And it's a place where you live in community. So there's, there's cooking and there's dining room and there's a library and there's a little minuscule gym. You can't really count that. There's a Starbucks and you can get an, a, a latte for 75 cents. There's um, lots of meeting rooms where you meet for Bible study and things like that and games and, and whatever. So it's a, a place you live and it's a big, huge community. Um, and the ship is much more beautiful than I thought. Our cabin um, is pretty roomy compared to what I expected, but it's, it's tiny, tiny. Like maybe it's as big as that kitchen, you know, back there. Um, or maybe the kitchen, because we've got our own bathroom, so we're, we're really lucky there. But we've got, a, we've got one sink, we've got a bed, we've got two closets, one on each side, and a little pull-out desk. Everything is minuscule, you know, to fit into a tiny place. And one of, the, one of the crazy things is we realized it's all we need. You know, I couldn't take very many clothes because I only had like two side-by-side -side lockers to put things in. And, um, and I figured I didn't need very much anyway. So, but then, you know, you get settled and you think, wow, this is really all we need. You know, that was another surprising thing is in this tiny little space. But um, so that's, that's what life on board the ship is. Um, and I think I mentioned there's, you know, everyone has to speak English, so there's, uh, we're all English speakers, but it's funny because there's 40, at least 40 different uh, accents. So even though someone might be speaking English to you, you look at them and you say, I don't have any idea what you just said. <laughs> Was that in English? Because I didn't get that. Um, so anyway, what we got to experience, could you go to the next slide? I'm just going to show just two, two or three slides. This was a, a field trip we took out into the country. Once you get out of the city, the countryside is absolutely gorgeous. It was just like any other tropical place. You know, it's right on the equator. So there's ocean to swim in, there's hiking, mountain hiking, there's plantations, and there's, you know, like I described, these beautiful little fishing villages that just, you know, touch your heart. Next one. Um, we have a ministry on the ship um, called the Hope Center where we, uh, in, in Cameroon, they did tw over 2,500 surgeries during that field service that year. And so there's a place called the Hope Center which is off the ship where you go and you do crafts with the kids or the parents and you play with them and you just spend time with them and you sing and, and, and it's a joyful place because they're either just getting ready for a surgery, so they're happy about being accepted for surgery or they're recovering after surgery some of them are almost well enough to go home so anyway you get to hug the little kids and you get to play and uh, I used to be able to do that once a week I really loved that um, because that my schedule in the dining room allowed me to get off the ship quite a bit so I did that next one um, we have a ministry on the ship uh, where it's very common in West Africa that women have fistula problems. I don't know if you guys have heard of this before, but they, having babies, their uterus and their bladder tear, and they um, can no longer hold urine. And they are always, after this happens, outcast from their community. All they have in West Africa is community. They don't have wealth. They don't have nice houses, they don't have anything, they have community. And when they're cast out from their community, it's worse than death. 
It's shameful. They are shamed when they're cast out. So this is no fault of their own that their bodies um, wore out. You know, m many of them are, are quite young women and they get cast out. So we have surgeries on the ship um, several times a year where we take in big groups of women who've had fistula problems. We repair, it's repairable. They get repaired. They, they can now live normally. They can go back to their community. And the one thing that is so cool that I wanted to see, which I had read about online, was that they come in very ashamed of themselves. They very low self-esteem. They come up the gangway looking ashamed. They're usually in like a, in rags. And before they leave, we have a dress ceremony where um, someone on the ship, somebody I think in hospital, the hospital group, goes and buys a brand new dress for each and every woman in that group. And usually, you know, the fancy headpieces and the dresses. And so before they leave, they get to wear their new dresses. They sing and they dance and they clap and it's so joyful and the whole ship turns up because we got to see this, you know, we got to see these women now who get to leave and go back to their communities and have a normal life and we get to see the, the transformative joy, you know, that was one of the things I really wanted to see. I had read about it. So I got to see that. So next one. Uh, the patients, uh, this is a patient that I had a personal relationship with. Her name was Benedict she went by Nadege, so I might call her either thing. Um, she had a, an illness called Noma, which is also very common there, where you lose facial features that it's just bacteria, it eats away. It starts when you're little and it, it can go until it kills you, um, and an antibiotic will stop it. So anyway, she had to have a nose rebuilt, and um, uh, the first picture shows just like a little bit of skin here. You can't see it very well, but the other side was just a hole. And when she left, she had a functioning nose. She wasn't 100% healed yet, so she had these tubes still in there to hold the nose in place and to keep it open so she could use it, you know, so she could be able to breathe when it was fully healed. But she came on board late, so she had two surgeries on the ship, and she would have had a third, but the hospital had closed down. So next one. The hospital closes mid-May. Uh, mid um, so one of my very favorite things that we did on the ship was called Worship on the Bow. And the whole, when we sailed, there'd be, there were about 200 uh, people on the ship when we sailed from, we sailed from Cameroon uh, out here to the islands off Spain called Canary Islands where the ship goes into shipyard for repairs. And then when that's done, we sailed back to Guinea. Um, and Guinea is right up in here. So Cameroon's in the Gulf area, and Guinea's a little bit further west. Um, but anyway, one of my favorite things was this worship on the bow. You get 200 people up on the bow, out in the middle of the ocean. Um, everybody brings their instruments and sings and dances, and we carry on for a couple hours. And it's, I just had the sense, a definite sense, that it pleased the Lord. It really pleased the Lord that, you know, that we were gathered together in Jesus' name. That was the, the point of the ship is to provide the hope and healing uh, to the world's forgotten poor and to do so in Jesus' name. And we worship on the bow, and I just know it pleases him. So that's one of my favorite things. So <clears throat> what's happened since then, that was, the, that was the first field service. And by the way, a field service is from September to June. The ship stays in port. So from September to June, it was in Cameroon, then it sailed, 
and then now from this September till next June, it will be in the country of Guinea. So that's where Keith and I, we recommitted to stay for the field service in Guinea. So we're in Guinea. It doesn't, the boat doesn't move now until June. I should say ship. It's not boat, it's ship. Everybody corrects me when I say, corrects me when I say boat. If I say it in front of the captain, it's like, uh-oh, I just lost so many demerit points. So, um, so we got offered jobs to stay and and Keith uh, was offered an opportunity to stay as a carpenter but also to expand his role he does some business development for our dental center which is part of we we built a dental center as part of a university program where they were graduating dentists but they had no place to practice so they graduate dentists that never pulled a tooth you know so we have a dental center there that was put in place and um, they're training dentists and they're working on patients together. So he has the opportunity to, to work out a business plan so that when the ship leaves, they can keep it running and hopefully they can keep it productive and profitable. That's the goal. But it's not like American business, so we'll see. But, um, and then I was offered a job as a chaplain and, and I knew I had to take it. I knew I couldn't walk away because before I left, uh, I had decided that when I get back from Mercy Ships, I'm going to apply with Samaritan's Purse into their chaplaincy program where they do training. And so I had the printout on my desk so that I wouldn't lose it. And when I got home, it was going to be one of the first few things I did. So then when they offered me this job as a chaplain, and I knew I don't go home to do it, I stay here to do it, it was kind of scary because it's a year, but it's when you know that God is presenting something to you and that he has actually prepared you for it. You think you're going to go home and prepare? And he says, no, I've been preparing you for five years or more. And the job description was things that I had been prepared to do. I couldn't walk away. You know, I couldn't say, um, well, but that wasn't our plan. Our plan was for three months. And, you know, well, what about my kids and my grandkids? Because some of them aren't going to be happy about it. Um, it was putting those things aside and saying, I don't feel comfortable walking away from God's will. And it was clear to me that he had prepared us and he had called us to be there then, not later. We were thinking maybe we'd come back in a couple years, you know, but it was then that we were called to stay, so we did. Um, and, and so that was the decision to stay. Uh, we've been in, in Guinea now for two and a half months and I've had some ups and downs, but mostly like some downs because the first part, I got to do what I wanted to do. I got to do these things that really like filled me with joy and awe at what God was doing in that country. And I got to witness the other people that were on the ship, the workers who've come from all over the world, how talented they are. They're just, I was blown away by the talent on that ship. And I was blown away by the faith of some of the doctors that would be so rich in Carmel Valley, you know, materially. Uh, and they're paying crew fees like I am. I mean, our, our anesthesiologist went to NYU and he's raising three children on the ship. And he's paying crew fees for each one of them. He's not making money, you know. And so I have been continually impressed by their faith these people who've been on the ship for years. Some of them turn over quickly, like every three months, like we were going to do. But some of them have committed a huge amount of life, time, talent, treasure. They're foregoing things that I don't have the faith to forego. 
you know, and I'm a chaplain. Well, on the ship I am. And so I've just been really, really impressed with that. Maybe that's the most impressive. Um, but then, you know, I, in my new job, it's been super busy for two and a half months. I haven't been able to get off the ship. I haven't been able to go to the Hope Center. I haven't been able to hold the babies. I haven't been able to see what's going on in the ward. I've just been working. And it's more than 40 hours a week. And I keep saying to myself, but wait a minute, I retired, you know? Um, and, and I'm tired. This is hard, you know? And it's busy. And it's, it's really demanding. And it hasn't been... I'd have to be honest, what I wanted. You know, I got what I wanted in the first three months, but so far, this is not what I really wanted to do when I came on the ship. And so I've had this maturing process that I think when I go back now, I think my mind will be uh, better because I sh I'm, I'm going to look at it from a standpoint of, it's not about me really, it's about God's will. And God has us there for a reason. And um, if I, in the, the, you know, the parables that we were talking about this morning, if I'm careful with my heart, the soil of my heart, if I tend that soil well, God will produce. Um, and I need to know that it's his will, not mine. Um, that's the main thing I need to keep in mind because, um, when I get tired or when I get a little bit low, because it is hard there, uh, when I see something that upsets me or, I'm sitting with someone, which happened just before I left, um, who was crying because of, she was a nurse because of what she saw that upset her. Um, I need to be, I need, my, my heart needs to be right in my mind. And so I've been working out that, since I've been home, that the only way I can do that is if I stay in God's Word. Because um, when this nurse came to me with what she had seen and what she cried, I had read about it that very morning, and I realized at that point, I have to be in God's will or I won't be equipped for this work. So, um, and I, you know, truly, um, I do want to do God's will. I don't want to walk away, and um, I know that that's the most valuable place to be. So I actually titled my little talk, which I, I always try to find a title to keep me on track, and my title is, um, Thy Will Be Done. You know, and I, and I was thinking, I don't know what situation each of you guys are in, what circumstances you have, but I could bet that it's not perfect, that there's something that you didn't sign up for or you thought you didn't sign up for. There's something that you wish was different, that could have been better, because we don't get through life with everything being the way we want it to be. It just doesn't work that way. And God has a plan for us, and he's preparing us. And... And I think the only way to get through life and produce 20 or 50 or 100 times, you know, the grain, um, is to, we sang about it too this morning, is to decide it's God's will be done. I surrender what my wants were. I surrender what I thought I needed because God's going to provide for my needs anyway. Um, it's just... Um, it's a maturing process, and you know, you're never going to be too old to be maturing. So I'm 61, I'm still maturing. It seems pretty obvious that I shouldn't have been all about me for the first three months. You know, that seems kind of obvious from a Christian perspective. But it wasn't until I realized that maybe I'm not going to have that anymore that I decided, that I realized, you know, God's maturing me now, 
and I'm, I've made the commitment to be there and he set us there and it's going to be his will and it's going to be better than anything I could have figured out on my own. So um, I guess I'm going to um, just leave you with the idea that um, you, you really have to take care of that soil in your heart. Uh, you have to be careful not to, to have um, what God gives you in his word and his promises and in, in himself, in Jesus Christ. Have that be snatched away because it gets dried up you know and it just it gets snatched off it doesn't get any any roots deep um, that you get so concerned about the cares of this world and what you see here in Carmel Valley maybe what you see that is bad and we should be concerned about it but um, you know but you have to care for the condition of your own heart and I think one way to do that is every single day surrender to his will no matter what circumstance you're in just every single day this God this is your will not mine and um, have the peace in that have the expectation in him that his will will be done and and it will produce and it's way better than what you think you wanted that you that isn't quite happening right now maybe it's your health maybe it's your finances maybe it's um, a child or its parents or something and you just envision something different than what it is but He's building you now in the circumstances you're in for the future. So just, you know, stick with it. Stick with him. And um, anyway, I, I think that's all I'm going to share. I think that's it. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, guys. All right, so gather hands. Let's bow together, shall we? Father, we are thankful for our sister that was here with us today. And not only is she our sister, but she is also your daughter. And Lord, what a blessing she has been. And it's a blessing for me to see the call that you had on her life. And that she has responded to that along with her husband. The beauty in seeing when you call and a person responds. I pray for each woman that was here today with the things that were shared from Julie's heart will minister to them because I know there's people here that you have called or yet to call. Pray that you do your work through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I couldn't help but think as she is going to be leaving and going and continuing this journey. As she was talking, what kept coming to me, so I want to pray this because I truly believe that even though this is about Jesus in Isaiah, it's also about us. So, as I'm praying this, I pray that the others will pray with, but Julie, I especially pray that this will minister to you and it will encourage you as it has often encouraged me. So it's out of Isaiah 61 that says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, which I believe that, Julie. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to, prison, to prisoners. And as you were sharing that today, I kept thinking about that. These are people that have no hope, but thanking you that God has chosen you to be a part of something as beautiful as a mercy ship. That God's mercy and the personhood of itself is being brought forth 
through the hands, God's extended hands and feet and eyes and voices. So Lord, I pray as she goes that you would continue to bless her and all of those that you have called that are on that ship that you are using as you are glorified through their lives. Pray for this time that these women have together that they share and that Lord that you get glory today as they are spending time bringing glory to you. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.